All right, welcome to the conversation on the TYT network. Um, have you ever heard of red boxing? That's a strange political phenomenon. We're gonna explain what that is. Uh, but have we brought on a powerhouse of a guest to do that? She's not just Nina Turner, she's the Nina Turner. Uh, Nina, welcome back to the program. Thanks, Jane. Good to be here with you. And I'd like to, uh, my way of saying hi, of course, is ninaturner.com slash hello. Uh, <laughs> that does double for donations uh, to Nina uh, for her congressional campaign. That's just a coincidence. That's how I greet everyone. Um, all right, so we did that right out of the gate because uh, we're progressives. All right, so uh, Nina, uh, first of all, you were, you're, opponent attacked you in her very first ad. So I'd like to say congrats, uh, that means you're winning. Uh, <laughs> so what do you make uh, of uh, her attacking you in her ad? Very unfortunate because certainly I'm, I am running a campaign on the issues. That is what is most important, running on an opportunity agenda how to be a conduit to change the material conditions of the people in this district, this state, and this nation. And I've had several commercials and they've all been pretty much focused on, not pretty much, they've all been focused on my vision for this district and this nation. And it just really is sad. And it really does a disservice to the legacy of the 11th Congressional District to have one of my opponents come out in their first ad to not talk about their vision or contrast policies, but to attack me. Pretty sad, yeah. desperate. There's a ton of different establishment opponents against you. It's hard to tell who's who. But in terms of this person, she's also put out a bunch of tweets. And it sounds like like she's talking about Hillary Clinton. She's talking about like people from yesteryear. What does that have to do with the 11th District of Ohio? I have no idea. I mean, it's really definitely time to set a vision. This is 2021. And the, the thing about it, Jenk, is that when you are running for a seat, you're supposed to be talking about what you envision to change conditions, whether it's standing up for Medicare for all or increasing the minimum wage or canceling student debt or dealing with the fact that a million Ohioans have lost their health insurance due to losing their employer sponsored insurance. That there are some at some places in the 11th Congressional District where folks lose 23 years on their life just because they were born in a certain zip code compared to another zip code. But we really have real challenges that deserve a vision that will provide provision for the people. So instead of languishing on what happened in yesteryear, that person should be standing up for the people of this district, or at least talking about why they're running for the seat. So that's what I'm doing, Jenkins. I'm very proud that our campaign is running in that fashion. And yeah, now there's another bizarre twist coming in a second, but I just last thing on this is that it, when you got no policies and you got nothing to run on, you do attack by transitive property, right? You go, you you don't talk about the the minimum wage, you don't talk about health care, you don't talk about the things that affect people in your district, you talk about, but did you know Nina Turner's connected to Bernie Sanders and Bernie Sanders once said this about Hillary Clinton back in 2015 and did you know this or that? <laughs> no, no, that doesn't affect people's lives in Cleveland at all. And it smacks of desperation. And I love to see the establishment desperate out of the gate. So, <laughs> so I'd like to yeah. see the establishment, ninaturner.com slash hello. Um, <laughs> okay, so. Yeah, 
Cleveland and Greater Cleveland and Greater Akron because the district covers Northeast Ohio, portions of Northeast Ohio, which include Greater Akron and Greater Cleveland. But but you're right, this race should be about a, a battle or exchange of ideas. The ideas right now in this moment, dealing with the COVID crisis, dealing with how we're gonna try to not only restore, but to get people to thrive mode in this district, this state, and this nation, but not to signal to outside entities to come in and pour millions of dollars to against me. You know, there, there's several people in this race, but this person is certainly targeting me. And as you lay down in the red box, has made it clear. Uh, the Intercept wrote a article about this and has really described this as one of the worst things that they've seen in terms of what this person has done uh, since, yeah. you know, in so, the context of Citizens United, I should say. Yeah. So Ryan Grimm wrote that piece, this great piece, um, uh, Washington Bureau Chief of the Intercept and TYT contributor. So uh, let's talk about it. So uh, for folks at home who, who don't know the particulars of this, it's very understandable. It's very minutiae of politics, but it's really interesting. So what candidates do is they put a red box on their website. Uh, around a, a video or a picture, etc. It, it's a signal to independent expenditure groups to say, hey, come help me with this issue. But Nina, in your case, she didn't just do that, right? She then put the quotes of three different, you know, heads of packs uh, underneath that red boxed uh, item, right? And but what yes. was even more interesting is, so they all were the leaders of Democratic Majority for Israel, Jewish Federations of North America, and pro-Israel America. But the issue wasn't about Israel at all. She she was inviting yeah. them to attack you on something random that you said about Joe Biden. So why, explain to the audience at home, why signal the Israeli groups about a position that's not even related to them? Yeah, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Only in that uh, this has not only is not only happening to me right now. It happened to other folks who are now members of Congress. Uh, some of these same uh, groups came after people like Bowman, who's now you know in the Congress. They came after Congresswoman Ilhan Omar. They even came after Senator Bernie Sanders, if people can believe that. And you're absolutely right. You know, anti-Semitism is is despicable, and we must stand up against any 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 uh, hate, all any and all hate, anti-Semitism, anti-blackness, all of the isms, you know, fascism, xenophobia, you name it. That we must stand against. But your point is well taken. It has nothing to do with those things, yet she is pushing them outside entity to come in and spend hundreds of thousands or maybe even millions of dollars to really try to impact the outcome of the 11th congressional district. And in a way, Jink, not in, this is undemocratic because the voters of this district should decide and not anti, not outside entities that are pouring millions of dollars or could pour millions of dollars in here to defeat uh, not just me, but to try to defeat this movement. And in this movement, you know, standing up for Medicare for all, standing up for canceling student debt, standing up for lifting the minimum wage, standing up for the poor, the working poor, and the barely middle class in this district. One of the poorest cities in this district, the city of Cleveland, where I live, where I was born and raised, trying to help, you know, big mamas all across this district of people who 
to people who are just striving every day to live a good life. That is why I am running. I am running on an opportunity agenda. And people may disagree with how I wanna get there, but my God, to invite outside entities in here to do that and to try to persuade the residents of the 11th Congressional District in such a way is definitely not within the tradition of the people who have served in this seat before, before this moment. Yeah, so I want to back up what you were saying with more data. So it's unquestionable the Democratic majority for Israel attacked Jamal Bowman, Alex Morse, who was another just Democratic candidate, and Ilhan Omar in all their Democratic primaries, pretending to be Democrats. They're actually, there's other articles written about how they're actually right wingers from AIPAC who've just come over to co opt the Democratic Party. And so, but her, your opponents basically bat signal to this group. Hey, right wing group, please come attack my progressive opponent and attack That's her right. on an issue that has nothing to do with Israel, okay? But on a completely separate issue. It's one of the most blatant examples of corruption I've ever seen. And it really should be an FEC issue because they're not supposed to coordinate. But it is super clear that she is asking very specific people. And she put a red box around the issue. There is absolutely no question about it. It's one of the most brazen cases I've ever seen. So is there any chance that the FEC ever does anything to regulate this obvious coordination between her and the independent expenditure groups? I have no idea, Jink. And what's bigger than this moment of what you're outlined is that we have a problem in the United States of America with the overinfluence of money, particularly dark money coming into not only the 11th congressional district, but all across of the country, we must have real campaign finance reform. Corporations and entities are not people. We have to address this assault on democracy. So this is just one example that you're given of what happens time and time again in campaigns, and it should not be so. Yeah, and and, and I, I took a pledge, you know, and I tried to get her and other people who are running in the 11th congressional district to take. The same pledge that we would stand united to say we do not want dark money to come into the district so that all of us have an opportunity to compete to earn those votes. And that pledge was not signed by her or or anybody else for that matter. Of course, they have no chance of beating you if they don't take giant outside dark money. And here she is literally inviting it in. And by the way, I don't want anybody to get confused. I'll double down on what Nina said. This has nothing to do with Jewish Americans who vote overwhelmingly progressive. And of course, yes, the, the the greatest, the, mo, the presidential candidate with the best chance of winning who was Jewish American in American history was Bernie Sanders. These same groups or some of them also called when him anti-Semitic. They did. I supported him twice, you know, in the trenches with Senator Bernard Sanders, as you laid out, Jink, the first Jewish American who had who almost became president in the United States of America. And we were standing up for those issues side by side and really the issues of this movement. So I do want the viewers to know that although it is me who is being attacked, this is really an attack on our movement and the things that we're standing for. That conscious minded people coming together from all walks of life, all walks of life to stand up for what is just, for what is right and for what is good. And what is happening with that red box on my opponent that my opponent put out is not about what is just right and good. It is about trying to persuade in one of the worst ways possible an outside group to come in 
and to attack. Yeah, it's, that's about. it's corruption through and through. And that, that's it, kidding aside, really, that's why yeah. TYT is progressive, probably so we don't hide that. So that's why I say neoturn.com slash hello all the time, because we got to counter it with five bucks at a time, right? They're gonna bring in giant amounts of money, probably millions of dollars against Nina, because she's one of the strongest progressives in the country. And she does, I've, it's, she doesn't just walk to walk. Uh, I mean, she doesn't just talk to talk, she walks the walk. I've seen her do it. So uh, you gotta count on those guys with ninaturn.com slash hello. Uh, partly because I wanna see them cry about the five and $10 donations you're getting. Uh, <laughs> they're gonna say- Average donation, Jink, is $28. We have raised money in every zip code in my district, in the 11th congressional district, every state in the United States of America, including the District of Columbia. So if you wanna talk about uh, solidarity, and I've received donations from people from all walks of life, all walks of life, standing up to say that they would like to see me go to Congress and represent the interests of the poor, the working poor, and the barely middle class. That's why I'm running, that's why I've been in this fight. Uh, you know, I'm not new to being in this fight, and, and, and that's why I'm doing this, because I really do wanna see People live good lives and part of being able to do that, it's not the only way, but part of being able to do that is to get folks to Congress who will not equivocate about whose side they are on. I'm very much in the tradition of Congresswoman Barbara Jordan who said she was unbought and unbossed. You know, people like a Fannie M. Lewis, a local leader here in my hometown, she is since deceased, but she is a legend here in, in Cleveland, Ohio, or people like Barbara Jordan, people like Fannie Lou Hamer, people who challenged the status quo of their day within the party to stand up for people who did not have. That is the reason to want to go. It is to make the lives of everyday people better. And I will continue to be that champion even through all that we are going through. And one more point I want to make, Jink, it's me today, it's my campaign today. As you laid out and named the others who have been running pretty much in the same vein that I am running in, it's them. Who will it be next? So true campaign finance reform in the United States of America. And whether people support me or not, they should not support what is happening in the 11th Congressional District at the hands of one of the people running in this race. Absolutely, we're gonna fight corruption and we're gonna win. So, yeah. and one advantage we have that those past champions and progressives that you mentioned didn't have is we got the grassroots now and we got a way to connect to them. And and so let's fight back, we'll call it a blue box, okay, of actual <laughs> human beings. So ninaturner.com slash hello. All right, thank you, Nina, appreciate it, good luck. Thank you. All right, back on the conversation. Um, I've got a fun announcement for you guys. We've got a new Justice Democrat, Odessa Kelly from Nashville, Tennessee. Uh, so, Odessa, first of all, welcome to the program. Great to have you. I'm glad to be here. Glad to talk to the homies. <laughs> <laughs> good, good. Um, I was excited because uh, when you announced, uh, the press covered you as the first major progressive candidate of the 2022 cycle. Um, so I remember when we founded Just Democrats on this show with this audience, right? <laughs> and uh, and if you told us back in 2017 that just a short four years later that the group would have such standing that when they announced someone like you, it would immediately get the press's attention as whoa, uh, the Democrat in that seat better watch out, right? 
we would all been pretty psyched. And then to see a candidate like you would be even more psyched. So for the folks who don't know you, um, like you're not a standard politician. So tell us how in the world did you get here and running in this situation? Sure. Um, fighting for my own life is how I got here. You know, I, I'm from Nashville, Tennessee. I'm a Nashville native. Uh, first 14 years of my adult working life, I was a city employee. I worked for the city for Metro Parks and Recreation. You know, and it was my job to make people happy. I was literally the part of government that people like to see. You know, I became a young parent at like 25, like a lot of people do, and I was also still trying to figure out how to be an adult. <laughs> At 25, and with me having children and trying to figure out how to take care of them, you know, I started to really look into my job and how can I be a better civil servant. And I liked my job. I liked the fact that my job was to bring joy to other people's lives. And even that meant just, you know, going and beating your son in basketball in the gym. I was up to doing it, <laughs> you know. But another real thing that happened is, is that I had to get a master's degree just to get into middle management, and I was still living check to check. You know, um, I didn't know if I was ever going to be able to afford a home in my own city where I was born and raised. You know, um, the community center that I worked in is in one of the most impoverished neighborhoods in Nashville. And in that time, you know, I'm dealing with people, not only kids, but adults and elderly people who are working two or three jobs, trying to make it check to check. You know, I got tired of going to court. For kids who did, you know, made bad decisions, but no one ever asked them the reason why they made bad decisions. And that reason was because they was trying to help their mamas pay rent. You know, and that type of stuff just got on my nerves. And that's what pushed me into activism work. You know, I became an activist because I was fighting for my own life and I got tired of seeing the school of prison pipeline take kids out of the, you know, out of my neighborhood. I got tired of seeing my communities being over police. I got tired of seeing people working two or three jobs and still not being able to make it. And through that, we pushed for a lot of policies. But in this last year of the pandemic, you know, what I realized is that we got problems at the top. We keep missing the mark, you know, and that's because we don't have organizers at the top who are centering people in the middle of how we make decisions. And that's not something that comes by lightly. Like that's a craft and a skill that you have to like work on. And I'm really good at doing it. I've worked on it for the past seven, eight, nine years of my life. And I think we need leadership that better reflects who we are as a progressive people who are trying to move the nation forward to where we need it to be to help our people. Yeah, and so Odessa's running against Democratic incumbent Jim Cooper, who's one of the worst corporate Democrats in, in the whole house. And trust me that that uh, Jim Cooper does not talk about the community in the same way that Odessa does. Um, and he talks about it from a, usually from a right wing perspective and law and order and all that nonsense. And so, uh, so uh, in law, there's nothing wrong with law and order, uh, but when they say law and order, they usually mean something else. Um, so uh, <laughs> Odessa. I want to follow up with one thing that you did in the community. And Just Democrats looks for community leaders just like you. I mean, the obvious comparison is Cori Bush because she was such a big community activist and leader in in Missouri. But when they were trying to put up a soccer stadium in Nashville, you made some demands that I thought were super interesting. So tell us about that story. Who who was going to put up the soccer stadium, and how did you even get in a position to make demands, and what demands did you make? Yeah, you know, um, in the in 2017, we had three things that happened here in the city of Nashville. Uh, the city employees, me being one myself, asked for a COLA, which stands for cost of living adjustment. City said, we ain't got the fam, we ain't got the money, we can't do it. Uh, 
You know, then uh, the superintendent at the time was just asking for enough money to adequately run our school system. City again said, fam, we ain't got the money, we can't do it. You know, then the third thing that happened is the city announced that they were gonna try to close our public hospital. You know, as an African American from a community where a lot of people don't have health benefits, they use that service. I was like, how are we gonna close our public hospital? They said, we don't have the money to run it. Jink, you see a pattern that's happening here? Yeah, Yet at course. the end of 2017, they found $275 million to like build a soccer stadium. It's like, where are our priorities? You know, they're not in place. So at that time, we learned from our failures in past and trying to like get things done. And just learning and holding ourselves accountable, like do we want to do the same thing again or do we want to actually tangibly get a win? So we learned from our failures and we went out and we built leverage and relationships with every person that we could in the community. We put out thousands of surveys for seven to eight months before we even talked to any elected official about what they wanted to see happen on the soccer stadium. You know, we wanted to make sure that people in Nashville got a chance to sit at the table and like be a part of the development instead of it happening to them. You know, so by the time we got to elected officials, we had all of these demands from voting people who wanted to see something happen for the city. And the elected officials got on board, you know. A lot of people that we worked on hiring, uh, getting into these elected offices locally, they wanted to see good things happen too. They just didn't know how to do it as well. You know, like you said, we are fighting against people who've been putting these systems of oppression in for years upon years upon years. And I'm just sick of it. We all were sick of it. So what we did is together, we came together, elected officials, activists, organizers, clergy, just regular everyday people to try to get this thing done that would put 200 units of affordable housing back into the urban core of Nashville, where it's just fleeting. You know, where we could get a 1550 minimum wage on all the jobs that are gonna happen out there because that's how you really are hitting hitting at the center of the urgency that people need, you know. In the area where they're building a stadium, it's a daycare desert. You know, so one of the things that we made sure that we got is a daycare on a sliding scale to make sure that everyone could afford it. You know, and there are several things, other things that we got. But I think building leverage and making sure that everyone can hear their voice and see some urgency in it is the thing that we did and made it so uh, such a uh, one of the strongest CBAs in the country. Yeah, so I love that story. Uh, power never concedes without a demand, never has, never will. Uh, so obviously Frederick Douglass said that and you guys demanded and you got the 20% of all housing uh, to be affordable housing. You got the $15.50 an hour. Uh, we could definitely use that in Congress. Uh, and so I'm mean, gonna use that as a transition in a second, but I want everybody to know your website. So it's odessaforcongress.com. So, mm -hmm. uh, by definition, just Democrats don't run with corporate PAC money, so they need your help. And you could tell she's fought back, she's won before. She, by the way, got the National Eleanor Roosevelt Legacy Award last in 2019. So we'll have the links down below if you're watching later on YouTube or Facebook or anywhere else, but odessaforcongress.com. So Odessa, now look, you got that fighting spirit, you're clearly very progressive. Your campaign issues are perfect, 15 nominal wage, Medicare for all, Green New Deal, check, 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 right? But as we found out, the most important question is, yes, but when you go to Congress, will you actually fight? Because Odessa, there is, you, you, every candidate comes on here and tells us they're going to. And then what they don't know is that when they go to Washington, there is overwhelming pressure to not fight. Overwhelming pressure, right? And honestly, they all succumb. 
So how can we know, Odessa, that you're, you say $15 minimum wage, but right now they've all given up on $15 minimum wage. How do we know you won't? I'm not there yet, but I can ask you know people to do the same thing I did here locally. And the reason why I built my reputation and so many people nominated me to run, you know, is because hold me accountable. You know, I'm sick and tired of it, Jane. You know, you talking to the choir here. You know, like I said, I was someone who started, got into activism because I was fighting for my own life. You know, and fighting for the people who have the exact same urgencies. And I hear you. One of the things that I've heard across the nation is that the same problems that we're having here in Nashville, the same problems that are happening in L.A., the Bay Area, Detroit, Chicago. Albuquerque, New Mexico, to even some of the rural places, you know. So we got the same issues, and I'm here to fight for them. You know, um, I think we need more organizers in office who know how to actually move people to where we want to be. You know, uh, I keep looking at this situation, and I find it interesting. You know, to all the people out there, if you're listening, please go organize in Joe Manchin's district. You know, put some pressure on him from the bottom up. You know, because the problem is, is he too comfortable? A lot of them are. You know, and we have to change it from that level so that we can have, you know, more leverage at the top to make those type of decisions. But I'm definitely going to fight for it. Hold me accountable, Dad. Trust me, we will. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> oh yeah. So one last thing. One last thing. Um, so, look, it's it, it's. I think it's relatively easy to fight Joe Manchin, uh, although apparently it's not because you know they very few people do it. Um, but it gets much harder when you have a progressive leader tell you stand down, right? And Odessa, you're new to this, and you don't know. And we have we have a strategy that we're not going to tell you, but we have a strategy that we're going to get it later. And and you're going to hurt the movement if you fight now. What do you say to that? That's not what I'm I'm running for. You know, um, like. Hopefully I have all of you on our team as well, just like in the way that we've built power so far. And we have to keep building that power, you know. Um, I'm not running this race to be palatable, you know. I'm running this race to be authentic and true to the people who need to have their voices heard in leadership, you know. And I'm hoping that's what resonates with people and why so many people have been excited about my campaign so far, you know. In the same way that I ran a community center, in the same way that we have organized, you know, it was that we've tried to speak truth to power and just let the chips fall where they may. You know, and so far it's worked out well for us. The last thing that you know we want to do is copy voices of oppression that have been pushing back against us. You know, I think that one of the most important things about the race that I want to run is that far too long, especially as a black woman, as a gay woman, as a woman, <laughs> you know, we've had to form our votes out of mitigating the harm that happens to our bodies and to our communities, and I'm tired of that. That's the reason why I'm running. You know, I want to run. You know, our leadership should be able to inspire hope and tell us what we can do and create visions of what can be possible if we think about it and do it together. You know, not mansplain to me why we can't do something. You know, which is what I think I hear you saying. And I definitely want to be the one of the individuals that counts out to that. You know, so I'm not running to um what. Adhere to uh, to other people who are in leadership. I'm running for the people out here who need help. You know, I think it was um, I forgot who it was that said the people closest to the pain should be closest to the leadership or closest to the power. And I 100% believe that. You know, and that's exactly the way that I plan on advocating and pushing for anything that we are doing at the congressional level. All right, love it. And uh, just 
so people at home understand as they're going as they're typing in odessaforcongress.com right now or clicking below that look she co-founded a group called Stand Up Nashville Stand Ups in the name okay and 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 she did walk the walk she did stand up to power in Nashville and she did win so the proofs in the pudding there so odessa it's great to have you as a just democrat and as a candidate again also the opponent is one of the worst corporate democrats in the house so yeah. yeah, and next time we'll talk about him, so people get a sense of the urgency of this race. Next uh, time, so you invite me back. Of course, of course. <laughs> <laughs> I want a t-shirt too, and get. Let me have one in the XL because I'm a big girl. <laughs> uh, well, uh, trust me, I'm a big guy, uh, so I know how that feels. <laughs> so, all right, great, uh, and hopefully one day we'll have you in the studio too. Everybody, go to odessaforcongress.com. Odessa, thanks so much for joining us. We really appreciate it. Thank you for having me on.